Folks, welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you, and I always like to give you a little preview of what's coming up. So later on for our inbox, we have a single guy who's struggling to get traction with online dating. He feels like he'll message a girl, and then she's kind of passive about indicating... Does she even want to be pursued by him or what? He's a little confused, so I'm going to hopefully weigh in with some advice for him. And then for our culture segment... John Cooper is the lead vocalist and one of the founders for the Christian rock band Skillet. He is here really to talk about being a bold witness for Christ, even in the middle of a very relativistic culture. So that's coming up later as well. Here we are for our roundtable, and we're going to have a very fun conversation today about something that you don't really see a lot, and it is staying healthy but as a young adult. So all of you who are college, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, You know you're just living like trash. You know you're not sleeping. You're not eating right. You think you're just young and this is going to last forever, whatever. No, it isn't because I'm no longer a young adult. So let me just tell you, okay? So um, we're going to (laughs) get... (laughs) <laughs> We're going to get down and dirty here uh, with our guests who are going to tell you how to do this probably better than you already are. And so um, I have got Jeff with us. Jeff is the owner of Jeff Wilson Coaching. He is a personal trainer as well as a health sciences instructor, um, also a cross country and track coach at a college. And uh, you're just like all around. I think you personally also are a marathoner, correct? Uh, I'm, I'm getting there. Okay. So I'm actually doing my first marathon uh, December 5th of this year. Okay. Well, I don't want to talk that. to you about that because that's very intimidating <laughs> and I don't like it. So, uh, you, okay. You, we and, have you and many other people. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I did do a 10K once, so I felt hey, very good about that. Awesome. That was my top, you know, that that was what I what I could do. That was it. Okay. We have Dr. Larry Mittnall with us. Larry is a child psychiatrist and uh, part of our Physicians Resource Council here at Focus on the Family and boundless and certainly when it comes to mental health issues and how to prioritize your life how to not take on too much obviously we'll be pinging you maybe for some you know why is social media just killing us basically yes (laughs) but (laughs) advice uh, as a medical expert is going to be awesome from larry and also uh we have dara gott with us she is a board certified nurse practitioner and uh, also is really into preventative health stuff very much like get on the front end of it and, you know, save yourself a world of hurt later. So, Dara, great to have you here as well. Thank you. So, all right. Well, let's start talking about this because I am really excited about this. Um, I want y'all to just give like if you kind of could give a picture of when you think of young adulthood, you know, I mean, most folks in our audience are not chasing after their health or certainly doing, you know, some of them just do maybe have some healthy pursuits and that's great. Mm-hmm. But um, what would you say as far as your personal experience of trying <laughs> trying to be healthy, what is maybe easier for you and what have been some of the things that you've had to really more intentionally go after because they don't come in as easily for you? I don't think any of it comes yeah. easily. <laughs> no. No. Oh, yeah. I, I really do. I mean, I think I, I had a a college class that was actually required of me my freshman year of college that I really attribute a lot of my personal healthy choices through my 20s and 30s and beyond 
to that class because I learned then, oh, here's how you're supposed to eat. Here's how you're supposed to exercise. Mm -hmm. And we were required on the honor system to, you know, start exercising at least 30 minutes, three times a week, plus doing some, you know, they did pre and post testing on push-ups and sit-ups and stuff. (laughs) And, you know, you didn't want to look like a fool. So anyway, (laughs) I, I did it, of course, for the class. And I love that because that kicked me off into healthy habits that have sustained me all through my entire adulthood. Okay, that's good. But I don't think it comes naturally. I think you have to choose it. Okay. Yeah, I I would would agree. I I mean, I grew up playing sports. I mean, since I was, I think, three or four. Mm -hmm. I I mean, my first word apparently was ball. I I mean, I just loved (laughs) playing with my dad. So it's like sports was helpful for me, but obviously not everyone's going to come from that. And so it was just with those types of goals. I mean, I ran in college. um, I played hockey and soccer growing up and stuff. But it's like like, I wanted post-college pursuits. So I was always aiming for something and if 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 somebody doesn't have a specific like goal like whether it's a 10k a local 5k it doesn't even even have to be running you know there's crossfit now people do that pretty regularly and um just your own personal goals but it's it i I would agree dare it's not easy it doesn't just come like it takes a very uh intentional consistency and that's i think one of the things i'll probably say later consistency Mm -hmm. being one of the most important aspects of of any of this but Mm -hmm. um Anyway, yeah. Yeah, cool. And I, I totally agree. I think um, thinking about my own experience, too, of trying to be a healthy and more fit, you know, person, I think human nature is not to take on, you know, the best discipline regiment around, mm-hmm. you know, clean eating and mm-hmm. exercise. Um, that's just not who we are as humans. And and especially in the 20-something, 30-something lane, um, a lot of us are, are at, you know, and I know I was, engaged in really trying to build a career and focused on, you know, um, finding that right person and putting together my life. And often um, that was at the expense of really taking care of myself. So all of my pursuits were outward and externalized and out in the world. And so often the first person to be neglected was, you know, my own healthy habits. And so it's the type of thing that I think cognitively you ask someone, um, you know, how should you be eating, sleeping, engaging with the world, connecting naturally and not um, having all of your social interactions mediated by, you know, by a screen, they will all tell you the right answer. Um, but putting that into practice is what's is what's really hard. And I think that's where the hacks come in at thinking about, you know, here's what I want. How do I actually put that into practice in my own life? OK. Right. What would you guys say are some of the chief offenders when it comes to if you could lay out, you know, what are what are most young adults missing as far as stuff that really you know, because a lot of people think, you know, by the time their parents or grandparents, you know, they're they're talking, they're seeing their parents and grandparents who are now like trying to do healthy things. And this is a lot of things that young adults take for granted. But what are some of the biggest misses that young adults in, in particular are making right now in terms of their own health? Vegetables. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good one. That is yeah, good. real. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I mean, like, as, as uh, Larry was talking, I was I was thinking that's one of the first things I tell people when they my, like the first habit is usually I'll tell people water, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then after and then the second one is usually in, increased vegetable yeah, intake. Half your plate. I yes. mean, it should be green. Yes. Half of your plate every huh. day, lunch, dinner, half of it green. Go for that. Okay. Yep. 
That's good. And, and that, even if it's a smoothie, do you guys are you're okay count. with? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, not like too. Smoothie King where they put in <laughs> sherbet. Yes, you know, yes, I yes. mean, yeah. it should be like <laughs> don't kale, cheat, you don't know, cheat, right? Yeah, and uh-huh. green, yeah. and not not pistachio ice cream, not because that's green. Okay, wasabi. Okay, that's good. The other is sleep. I think you know, it's just it's so it's so easy, right? I mean, it's almost like we're all children and Willy Wonka's factory where, you know, we have access to everything, every series your parents wouldn't allow you to watch and every show and, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, movie franchise. Like, you can do it. You could do yeah. it every night of the week or there's the pull to be with friends and just experience the world fully. And I don't think that's necessarily an, an unhealthy thing, but that, like all appeti- appetites, can really get out of control. And so, yep. um, and so mm-hmm. I, even in my work, I just encounter so many people who are burning the candle at both ends. And so, mm. you know, they've been up till 2 a.m. finishing, you know, watching the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, yeah. you know, <laughs> again. Just, just finished that the other day okay. yeah. for, for like the seventh time. Yeah. It's well, and here's why, Larry. I mean, I see because I've seen the research of how, you know, millennials and now Gen Z, the largest burnout generation. Mm. I mean, they feel like they have to always be available. Yes. There are no normal life rhythms. Right. They're giving, you know, they're they're in the gig economy. Maybe they have a job, but on the side, they're going to do photography or they're taking up a second, you know, kind of income type thing. And so it's just crazy making because they feel like to get ahead, they're going to have to give up something. And it often is sleep or rest or self-care. There are not a lot of good examples, I think, on achieving that balance, Mm -hmm. you know, of figuring out how do you incorporate healthy eating with a healthy amount of sleep, with Mm -hmm. the right amount of work, with Mm -hmm. the right amount of play. Mm -hmm. And we need all of those things. We need people. We need, you know, Mm -hmm. all of it. So how do you do that? And it is hard. You you have to really look for examples of people who are not frazzled and are taking care of themselves right. and are prioritizing yeah. their spiritual life and well, are, so, you know, right. doing all these other things. Well, and I like what you say, too, about finding a model. I think that's one of the things that I know that I didn't um, have yes. as a high priority um, in my 20s is, you know, who is that living the lifestyle that I where I want to be? And again, not just in a monetary financial sense, but they really seem like they've got Character it together. And, right. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. That their family is a priority that they, you know, that they're living a healthy lifestyle and um, and finding the pursuits that really kind of set their hearts on fire at the same time. You know? Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the things that are like, because I, I think too often now when we talk about health and when we're seeing stuff on online and whatever, it's always like the latest thing that's going to fix something or completely turn you around. And it seems totally unattainable. So it's like you're going from couch potato to now you've got to start, you know, you better cut out all carbs, all sugar. You better intermittent fast. You know, you better start training for marathons. You better. But people are like, okay, is there just something that I can do that's like normal? And then because I feel like once people do something that they can feel successful at, then maybe down the road, then they're going to be like, I can do this. Maybe I'll train for a 5k or maybe I'll do so it's like but people will freak out if all of a sudden we're like no you better just get crazy and let me tell you about these 50 supplements per day that you need to drop you know $700 a month on to make that happen and then they're just like see ya I'm out Um, so let's talk about what are some things that are just easy entry like great things that people can start you know we talked about sleep and just you know even Jeff you referenced water drinking water and prioritizing that you know probably cutting out soda as a result and just yeah. swapping it with water or whatever. What are some other tips you guys would have? 
Uh, the first thing I would say is uh, not necessarily is uh, it may, may be a little uh, good starting point here, not necessarily something very um, extremely tangible, but just taking each one of these things at just one step at a time, as, si- as, a time. as simple yeah. as it's as it is. Yeah. Like I, I, I'll, I'll say this as a lot of people that come to me, what you just mentioned, Lisa, is I've noticed at least three quarters will want the world in mm. like two months. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm and I and I always explain to especially like a weight loss is a good example, but I actually don't get as many weight loss clients. I just get a lot of general health, which is which is what I like. Um, but a lot of people will come and and ask me about time frames and stuff, and I'll I I try to say as much as possible up front, like for us to really work well together. I want you to understand that these things will take time, and it's mm-hmm. hard to it's hard to articulate that mm-hmm. while also like this is my job. I need to. If people don't show up, I don't get paid and stuff. It's very, it's a hard balance to, <laughs> yeah. to go with because, like, you want to you want to tell them all the things that can happen, and this is so exciting, but they yeah. want to literally change all, you know, however many number of things are specific to them right then and there. And it's like, well, let's do literally two weeks where you increase your water from your half a liter a day mm-hmm. to maybe three quarters of a liter to a liter mm-hmm. and it's like and that's obviously what i just said is a very low amount just mm-hmm. so, yeah. for everybody, everybody that's, baby steps. That, yeah. that, that's a very very low amount i drink close to a gallon a day and i feel still dehydrated at mm-hmm. times because i'm constantly talking to people and moving and such mm-hmm. and i'm not going to suggest that somebody needs to do that um it depends on the person but anyway i just wanted to start that part off with that because it's yeah i totally agree want, with like, jeff i yeah. i work really hard actually at trying not to incorporate too many change right. plans at mm-hmm. the same time because right. nobody can do that yeah you will fail and then you feel worse about yourself than if you hadn't tried in the first place so it's better to start with these small attainable goals and commit yourself to not being content with just one of them i mean you have to keep moving forward and you're always having to push the up button on your fitness on your Mm -hmm. eating on your sleep maybe you start with moving your bedtime back by 15 minutes and you do mm-hmm. that every week by another 15 minutes. Well, you know, by a month, you're going to gain an hour. Right. You know, and right. this is something your body will let you do. And this could help you. And it's a gradual change rather than it being so abrupt. So you're more likely mm-hmm. to be able to acclimate to it and, mm-hmm. and actually engage with it. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And then in the sleep realm, too, being able to disconnect and al- allowing people to be, you know, more connected to the world in terms of, you know, the the light shifts in in time. I mean, there's so much about mm-hmm. our, our world that, you know, um, with the advent of electricity, we you don't have to feel, you know, dark. And so what we lose is mm-hmm. some of the natural cues that we otherwise would have to tone down, to relax, to kind of calm ourselves. And so, again, phones at our bedside. I mean, that's just yep. one of the things that has really changed our brain's ability to be able to to calm down. I remember um, one of the earliest um, smartphones that I had, the, the uh, background that came with it said life companion. And I was like, oh, that's so gross. Like that just sounds, that sounds Stop so it. bad. I'm, yeah, I'm going to put my, you know, my wife's picture right there. In the first... That's actually very encouraging for the single people it in is, our audience. Right, right. They're like, oh, I can just get this phone. Yeah, okay. That's one step yeah. forward. Right? Um, and then like the, the morning that you wake up with the phone by your bed and, you know, I, know I was thinking of the life companion thing on the background. I thought, no, this is really, you know, this is really, really unhealthy. So, um, but, and, and that's one of the small steps that you can make is just okay i'm an hour before i'm tuning my my body and brain down to really get some healthy um sleep you know i'm just going to turn it off i'm not going to check that last ping from instagram or you know mm-hmm. yeah i literally just i got up my old alarm two nights ago 
Wow. And I, put, I, I finally instead of your, yeah. old instead of your phone, like I, I, yeah. I, I, for whatever reason, for several years, I was like, okay, I don't. This this thing is boxy. It's gross. Ugh, you know, like <laughs> this is this is stupid. I have an alarm on my phone, and it's it's just taken me so long. Like I I prioritize sleep, but I have not prioritized the the start and the finish of it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, see, so yeah, I think I think sleep is is so much more important than. I, especially this general, like we're talking about twenties. I'm 34, by the way, so mm-hmm. um, I'm just just coming out. You're of that a young 34. Yeah. You're yeah. Teaching to ourselves, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that is it's it's so much more important than just our society in general gives it because it's, it's a yeah. go 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 yeah. all the time. You got to get all these things done. Um, and I would I would actually want to say one more thing about about what we're talking about in general. Um, and somebody wants to take this too, this would be great. But the the self talk. Mm-hmm. Um, as you're doing any of this stuff, the self-shaming type of, um, I mean, obviously there could be another word used. We could go deeper into that, of course, mm-hmm. but, uh, what you're saying to yourself in the comparison game to others as you're doing this, mm-hmm. um, especially if somebody that's looking to lose weight or just, I mean, really maybe for lack of a better description, just feels like junk and they see somebody else's Instagram photo and, Mm-hmm. everything's just lovely all the mm-hmm. time and it's like well you're not seeing maybe there's maybe there's yeah, yeah their, their sleep game could be yeah. junk right. it's not hard to throw 200 milligrams of caffeine and then look good again two hours after you wake up right. yeah you know it's so anyway okay. that we could say no, a million things good. about that but I, well, that the self-talk I, that's something yeah. i've had to work on and i think the mental health side of things is also not talked about enough okay and i do want to just quickly so i make sure that we get it in i want to turn a corner here and maybe um larry and dara you can speak to this just straight up like relationship with a doctor's office mm-hmm. okay so there are people <laughs> listening who mm-hmm. maybe as a kid broke their arm but beyond that they don't like i know <laughs> One of my good friends was in a car accident and I went and picked her up. Her car was totaled. She felt fine. But I was like, I think you need to get checked out. And she's like, oh, well, like, where do you go to like do that? And I'm like, have you ever heard of like an urgent care? Like she literally didn't know. So then no joke, you guys, I went in with her and she had no, she couldn't even answer her own health history questions. She was just like ignorant. She's like, well, I don't know when I went to a doctor last and I don't know what did they need to know and what I don't know. You know, I'm not, I don't think I'm on any medications. I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever. But it was just so funny because I have a chronic illness. I have rheumatoid arthritis, which so many people know about. So I'm like, between that and then walking my mom through a lot of health stuff, I'm just like, just put me on autopilot. I can talk through whatever, you know. And um, But so tell us about, let, let's make going to the doctor accessible. Like, what does this look like to find a good doc as a young adult, as a 20-something, whatever? What don't they need to worry about? Don't they need to invest in? How? What questions should they ask? And what should just they have in their arsenal knowing about themselves to even go and make a first visit accessible and successful? I think um, one of those things is prevention. The example that you gave of, uh, you know, I'm going to wait until I'm in that critical position of the broken arm of the of the nearly lost limb. And that's that's the time when I go visit the doctor. And and so, you know, I know my experience is I love it when people are proactive just Mm -hmm. about their their health and maybe they're not having that that much of an issue. They're just feeling maybe a little bit more fatigued or feeling a little bit, you know, down or a little bit anxious. And they're wondering what what's going on with me. And so um, part of it is just 
being proactive and being okay with, let me just check in with someone, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm okay with getting my bike tuned, you know, as soon as it starts getting (laughs) Mm -hmm. slightly warm outside, um, you know, um, especially if I'm not uh, mechanically inclined and able to do that. And so Mm -hmm. I think thinking about our bodies in that way too, hey, you know, I haven't seen anybody in a while and maybe I don't have any big complaints, but let me just check in with someone. Um, The other thing too, is that you've probably accumulated a lot of like TikTok wisdom about your health and your healthcare uh, (laughs) gains. And so actually sitting with a human who spent most of their life, you know, thinking about the human body and trying to help people get the results that they're looking for is totally worth it. It's worth the the time and effort to put that in. Yeah. So to answer your question, I I feel like exactly preventative is is the key, you know, I mean, and (laughs) especially in your 20s and 30s, you need to have a preventative mindset or you're only going to go when there's a catastrophe Mm -hmm. of some kind. And so to be prepared for that, uh, you know, a lot of people grew up going for preventative health visits, their annual physical, like for sports in school, Mm -hmm. you were required to do it. Uh, There's a lot of people that actually have a relationship with the doctor's office. They may not even realize if it was a family practice or something Mm -hmm. where they can just continue to go there if they liked the providers they saw at that time. Um, So that's an easy way to Mm -hmm. find it if you you know, I, of course, I'm biased towards family practice because, mm-hmm. you know, then <laughs> yeah. you don't have to make a transition from the pediatrician when <laughs> right. you're growing up. You just keep going to the same place. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, it's really helpful when you go in, if you know some of your own family history, mm-hmm. it does help to, I mean, if you, you're you not the kind of person that remembers the names and doses of stuff that you take, write it down. All of your vitamins. Mm-hmm. We need to know that stuff. It interacts with some of the things that mm-hmm. we'll prescribe or do. And do you uh, feel this way? You're, I'm always happy for people to bring other people in that oh, know sure. their life history yes. better than they do. <laughs> for so sure. It's okay. <laughs> Friends and family are, are welcome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And actually, when I do teen well visits, I oftentimes are like, pay attention. I'm asking these family history questions. You need to know this the next time I see you when your mom's not in the room, you know, because they don't know. They don't ask the questions of what health problems grandma has or whatever. Um, And uh, insurance, I always recommend that people come in for a well visit at least once in their 20s, usually while they're still on their parents' insurance under the age of 24. Before age 24, come in and get a well visit, you know, and let us do baseline labs on you while they're still covered under the insurance. And you have a baseline of what your healthy normal is, which is really helpful. And then there's all sorts of sexual health stuff, you know, which... Mm -hmm. You know, especially if people are having sex outside of marriage, there's a lot that they need to be doing. They should be seeing somebody every year to get screened for sexually transmitted infections and things like that, which honestly, if you're saving yourself that good choice, Um, if you're not sexually active, you really don't have to do that Mm -hmm. at all, Mm -hmm. you know, and saves you a lot of drama and health problems later. That's definitely one of those things is like, you don't want problems later. You don't want problems with fertility in your thirties. Don't (laughs) do that stuff now. That's right. All the emotional baggage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to marry to stay intact? We're going to need another podcast. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and to your point, you don't want to be the person that goes in for some other random thing or like say you just have to do a workplace something you know check up yeah. or lab and then you find out you're pre-diabetic and as a result so then you're having to back yeah backpedal a lot of stuff so okay well just in the last like minute or two that we have because again the time goes so fast you guys ah um <laughs> let's just get the person who's like don't even know what y'all are talking about or I feel like I've had some good practices I don't know I feel like you know I'm a kind of an outdoorsy person or whatever what like can they stop listening today and just start running after like what what really are kind of the easy things that they can do now even in the next week to kind of get started on the right course in this direction give them some ideas 
plan out the week. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that may not be what you're what you're thinking, but okay. we were. T- we, I was thinking about this as we were talking earlier, and just all the this, the things we mentioned and doing it step by step. One of the biggest things I know I've had problems, and to the points that we made in my twenties, I felt like I was all over the place, mm-hmm. and time management was probably the root, mm-hmm. it, arguably speaking, to why a lot of these things were just off like i had my sport running stuff going so that was on point but everything else is i just felt like a mess yeah um and so for anybody listening that just feels frazzled all the time can't get straight put down your phone a little bit unless it's going to help you time management (laughs) (laughs) but even that's like you know use a planner planner, yeah paper calendar yeah in in light of that you know it is so true because you think of the average person who has to get off to work and they didn't plan they're going to go through the Starbucks drive through yep. get a venti mocha. Yep. They're going to go to work. They're going to blaze themselves away. They're not going to have worked in a workout. So at the end, they're going to say, I'm going to do it at the end of the day. Yes. But then they're too tired. They're too so tired. they're just going to yep. go home yes. and binge watch something. And right. there yes. went that day. So yeah. that's very with good. fast food that they picked yeah, up on with the way home. Right. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't plan their meals either. And so, yeah, yes, when I was planning. in my 20s, yeah, um, yeah I, I actually – I resonate with the chaos you know thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know everything was just reactive in terms of when i did laundry when i cleaned when you know it's like well when the sink gets offensively horrible then i'll clean you know right. or, or my parents or are visiting and at some point i realized that really wasn't the best way and so you know implemented a i, I resentfully i will say implemented a, a schedule for myself in terms of what days i do laundry and what day i would file and pay the bills and what day i would you know do this and that household chores mm-hmm. um and everything got more orderly including with that was planning menus you know again yes. i'm very big mm-hmm. on nutrition yeah. you do have to plan or you will mm-hmm. end up at the starbucks drive through or mm-hmm. doing ramen or a frozen pizza or something that yes. does not oh. take any effort or mm-hmm. mental effort yeah. and it can be really simple things it can be planning to buy the bagged salad at the grocery mm-hmm. store right. that you yeah. can just throw in the bowl with the pre-cooked shredded rotisserie chicken you know it's like it can be really simple and fast but cost you a fraction Mm -hmm. of what it's going to cost if you're going out all the time and and be a choice for health Mm -hmm. and the thing i'd add to that too is is just community i think it's and by community i mean real life face-to-face you know people that you're around (laughs) yes and because you know taking this on on your own too is also kind of lonely and isolating and so i think you know we all know the friends in our lives who are doing certain things and certain habits better than us you know Mm -hmm. if my if my brother's coming over and i know that he's really been working out I'm at least going to hide the Cheetos um, <laughs> and not eat them in his not presence. Offer them to them. <laughs> right. yes. Yes. And so I think um, the the goal of being living in community and having people who are maybe, if not keeping us accountable, um, at least helping us to to push towards um, a better and kind of healthier living. And we have the benefit of if it's live and in person, they can't have the the perfectly groomed Instagram where I actually don't know what's going on in their real lives or know. you know whether they're starving themselves or really feeding themselves on the things that are healthy, mm-hmm. but I'm having real life formative relationships that are not only good for me, but helping me to adopt these habits and I'm not doing it on my own. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Excellent thoughts, you guys. Well, and, and even I'm just thinking as you're saying that, Larry, like, yeah, as you're fostering community and making time for people do that while doing something healthy. So yes. grab a friend and go for a hike or right. go, you know, don't just yeah. find the latest TV series that you're going to watch every episode of and stuff like that. And then think and you that do you're... have to find an activity that you're going to enjoy. I mean, yeah. like yeah. when yes. we're trying to yeah. just get people off the couch, I know I usually just start with activity, not exercise. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, 
Yes. Yeah. Go for the walk with the person that has a dog that hasn't been getting out, you right. know, or get a dog and yeah. make yourself walk the yeah, dog. Or grab your neighbor's dog for some. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Can I walk yes. your dog? Yes. Yeah, that's a great way to do that. I have a that, Zumba so. group I meet with on Fridays. We oh, watch out Zumba. for each other. We're dancing yeah. for an hour, and I know those ladies, and they're looking, and if I'm not there, they're, I'm going to yeah. get a text. Classes so. are right. so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Classes, yeah, yeah, trainers are great. Yeah. If you can do that, that's awesome. So, well, you guys, thank you so much. This is super helpful and really fun, and I hope that those of you listening it really inspires you to do at least one or two things that you like they said start small and get excited about it give it some time get a friend and uh, go for it because you will not regret it so thanks Mm y'all thank you thank you i was in the dark all alone i could barely breathe this heart i'm tethered to all i've known felt so incomplete Darkness Great, folks. Well, we are here for this week's culture segment, and I have got John Cooper of Skillet in the studio. John, welcome. What's up? It's good to see you. <laughs> it's very good to see you. <laughs> so I found out in you being here that you actually have a show tonight, but clearly you don't have anything to do until then. No, so no, it's great. You, you just rest the rock star Yeah, You sit around, people <laughs> feed you grapes, yeah. and then at some point you're like, maybe I'll play a show. You exactly. go on an hour late. Because they're just going to put some kind of like smoke <laughs> on the stage. You're going to walk out, lights, whatever, and you'll be like, here we go. Yep. So that's great. Well, I am so privileged that you're here to talk with us at the Boundless Show this afternoon. And uh, for those of you who don't know or you need additional info, um, Skillet is an award-winning, best-selling Christian rock band. Um, But because he doesn't have enough going on, John also hosts uh, the Cooper Stuff podcast with his wife, Corey. And you guys have been married over 20 years now? Yeah, in March will be 25 years, and wow. we've been on the road the entire time. Oh, my goodness. You know, so we've started Skillet in 96, Okay, got married March 1st in 97, mm-hmm. and we have two kids, um, and because we both play in the band, we were like, all right, we gotta, we're, we're like the Osbournes, except we're redeemed, yep. so there's okay. that. And then uh, <laughs> you know, know. We, <laughs> we raised our kids on the road, and... Uh, and now my daughter will be 19 this month. My son is 16, and we're still doing it. I'm, I'm amazed we're still 
doing this music thing. So yeah, that's that's what we're all about. Well, I saw you, and I'm just saying this to be like braggadocious because we're in Colorado. Saw you at Red Rocks up in oh, Denver yeah. with I think Lecrae was there. And Toby and, uh, probably. Yep, yep. You guys were were there, and uh, so that was really really a blast to see you awesome. in my home state and all of that. So very fun. Um, but today we're going to talk about and and again, I mean literally, guys, this is like he's touring. He is hosting a podcast and he just writes books. Um, So we're going to talk today (laughs) about Awake and Alive to Truth. Um, And the sub on that is Finding Truth in the Chaos of a Relativistic World. So you know that we talk about this all the time at Boundless because you guys are like, Lisa, how do I even live out my faith in my workplace, in my family, that none of them are believers in Jesus? Um, as I navigate the culture, what does this look like? I want to love people, but what does that mean when you talk about the truth? Because I feel like sometimes I just want to cave or I n- don't want to talk about real stuff or whatever. And so um, John and I are here a few steps ahead. And so we're going to have this conversation um from you know scripture the school of hard knocks what it looks like you know we're both <laughs> out of our 20s now and so um anyway but i want to get your take john first as we even start how would you say we kind of got to this place i was mm. telling you before we even started taping that just in the last year and a half the sheer number of topics around cultural issues that we've had to address mm-hmm. here at boundless it seems like you know when i talk to my parents or certainly my grandparents generation Everyone was kind of like, oh, yeah, let's just respect everyone's viewpoints. And we kind of all generally agree on a lot of stuff. But now it's like no one agrees on anything. And not only do they not agree, but if you disagree, uh, nope, we can we're going to shut you out. Right. How do we get here? What does this look like? (laughs) Yeah, that's not stressful at all. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, Maybe that's just me. It's It's just people not wanting to talk to me. Exactly. It's wonderful having your next door neighbor think you're an evil person for whatever. Fill in the blank. You know, I think that what a lot of a lot of us need to realize is that there were people, Francis Schaeffer, C.S. Lewis. There are lots and lots of people 50 years ago saying this is what will happen if a Christian worldview it it goes away. Mm -hmm. And and I think uh, for Generation X, I'm in Generation X, we didn't teach worldview a ton. You know, we kind of saw that as academic. Mm -hmm. And so what what churches started doing and how I grew up, and I had a a great church that I love, but it was always all focused on, tell me how to live my life today, which is a good thing, Mm -hmm. not complaining. But when you don't have the worldview taught, then you don't really understand the reason that people used to agree on lots and lots of things. The reason we used to agree on lots of stuff is because we did have a Judeo-Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. It's a worldview that says there is a God and he created the world to have an order. Mm -hmm. And within that order, there's right and there's wrong. This is what you do. And and that civilization, America, and really the whole West, the whole Western world, I would say, but certainly America, was built on that. And so whether you're a Christian, Muslim, atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, everybody had a general idea of what is right and wrong. And Mm -hmm. if people think that sounds too philosophical, I think I'll put it in a practical term to make it very clear. If you don't believe that, look at what's happening in Afghanistan now. The Taliban is now taking control. And the Taliban, 
is killing people. They're killing people that are not are that do not believe the way they do. They're even killing other Muslims that don't believe in the way that, mm-hmm. that their particular sect uh, agrees. Right? They beat women for working or for not having a head covering for driving a car. I think what Americans need to realize, especially young people, they don't think they're doing something evil. They think they're doing something righteous, mm-hmm. and that is the perfect example to say this is what happens with a worldview built not upon Judeo-Christian ethics. Mm -hmm. That is the difference. And so now what we have in American society is basically we don't agree on anything because we don't believe in what truth that actually is. Mm -hmm. You know, we have no, we don't agree on the foundational things. Mm -hmm. Somebody says, I think a perfect example is most Christians would say that killing an unborn child is murder. But on the other hand, some of my closest friends in my world that are not Christians actually believe that making sure a woman has that right to kill that unborn child is a very righteous thing to do. Mm -hmm. And they believe that my opinion is evil. Mm -hmm. That's what's actually going on in society. And so I think as Christians need to wake up to realize we can still be friends. We can love people. Mm -hmm. We don't come from the same place. Yeah. So what would you see, you know, kind of as you're out and about, I mean, it seems like even Christian leadership or people who have set themselves up as influencers are kind of caving on every side. Is yes. them is this just them not knowing scripture or not mm. caring or wanting to, you know, fear of man kind of thing? I mean, why? Because so many, I mean, here we have our audience, <laughs> 20s, 30s, that are like, they look to these people for like guidance and they're like, okay, well, I'm going to see what XYZ pastor says on this and then I'll take my cue or whatever. But, you know, but then they're falling short. You know what? I think it's multifaceted and, and I don't want to be ungenerous. I guess I'm kind of known for sometimes saying things that are harsh and shocking. I will tell you, I'll tell you the harsh and shocking thing first. A lot of them are just have become cowards. A lot of them don't like the world not liking them. Mm-hmm. They, they can't handle it. They don't like it. They like the idea of the world saying, hey, I'm not into Jesus, but you're one of the good ones. Mm-hmm. You're one of the nice ones. They've come used to that and they like it. But I will also say there is a group of, of, of those people who I do think their hearts are, quote, quote, in the right place, if that's the way to say it. I think they go, but we have to reach out to people that disagree with us. But by doing that, they're not actually, I don't, they're not actually loving someone. I'll tell you what I read this morning. I, I, I got it on my phone so I could read it in case it came up. Yeah. Lo and behold, it's coming up. Listen to this. Zechariah 7, 9. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Hmm. I think a lot of times we've forgotten that showing kindness and mercy to, to a part of that is rendering true judgments. Mm-hmm. We've come to this idea of, no, no, we don't tell anybody what to do because that's not loving. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Showing kindness and mercy is rendering true judgments. That is telling the truth in love. Mm-hmm. So I think we're at a, a pretty scary place. I do think that a lot of our Christian influencers, especially really do not know the word of God. And I think if you really pin them down on it, I don't believe they they believe, sometimes out of their own mouths, that the Word of God is actually inspired Scripture or that it is an errant. They, they see it sort of as a, it's a guide, and there's some really good stuff there. But they would kind of hold that theological view that says that the love of God is the, the reigning attribute, mm-hmm. and all the other attributes are subservient to that attribute of loving God. Yeah. And so because of that, it sort of nullifies the holiness of, of Christ. 
Yeah, interesting. Well, and it's so crazy because I think of even the younger end of our audience, so say the Gen Zers now, so born like 1998 and after. It's very much a, in fact, I think statistically, I was just reading this about how, what percentage of them truly believe that, you know, almost ascribing to the my truth, your truth kind of thing. And this whole idea, I mean, I'll hear them say it of like, you know, you just do you or you, Mm -hmm. you know, let's not get in one another's business. Let's not. And it's become, you know, when, when it comes to scripture, it's like, God's not asking for us to give him permission to do him, you know, and he's not, and he's certainly not saying, and that's why I feel like there's some freedom in this of like, so thank goodness God, yeah, thank goodness God already put it on paper because I'm not needing to come up with my own truth or convince people that I have a corner on the yeah, truth great. that is something I made up, you know, that's and so, wonderful. and it allows me to get some distance of just like, you know what, if we're talking about God here, can't we agree that God pretty much knows what he's doing and he can do what he's doing. And I feel like it's, you know, that's where we have to, um, you know, just stand behind what we know to be true and be like, there are just some things we can't explain Mm. and we can't understand. Um, But I want to talk a little bit. I want to turn a corner here and talk about how, you know, it's easy when we're just sitting in a studio and we're talking about truth and we're like, oh, I totally agree with you, John. That's great. But sometimes people <laughs> don't agree with us and yes. sometimes it comes at a cost. And yes. you had a conversation a while back with a music executive hmm. who straight up had some advice for you about how to further <laughs> your career and what you needed to do uh, in order to accomplish that. Hmm. I would love for you to tell that story. Hmm. Yeah, I, I wrote about the story in the book, um, as well as the what you were saying uh, just prior to that about the idea of, do I just find what is moral in my own heart and you find what's moral in mm-hmm. your own heart and we each do that, what that leads to. But I do think that, that you're right. The story <laughs> is a pretty good um, you know indicator of what that looks like in real life. What it looks like in real life is that when my band was just becoming to, to some sort of prominence. We, we had a, a radio single. People also have to realize this was, this was 14 years into my career. So by this time, <laughs> I had kind of decided we were never going to be a famous band. And, and that was fine with me. We're doing what God called us. I get to play music for a living. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love it. But we're never going to be a band that's like on radio, you know. Well, all of a sudden, we had a song that was hitting at radio. We were on tour with some very big acts. We were the opening act. And so after one of the shows, everybody was going bowling and they're like after party. And I was like, oh, I never do these things. But (laughs) if I don't do them, then I'm like the Christian band Mm -hmm. that doesn't want to have any fun (laughs) with anybody and doesn't want friends. But the truth is, you're like, I'll go bowling, but then let's do a Bible study. It's It's all good. Well, the main issue for me is that I had two small kids that were up at 6 a.m. And I'm like, I really would like to get into bed because I, we spend our days. My wife is teaching my kids school. We're getting, I'm playing, you know, throwing the ball with my son or whatever. It's exhausting. So I went out bowling, but anyway, lo and behold, it was a huge after party because it was a, these were famous bands. There were famous people that showed up. There were all sorts of what you would expect for a rock and roll uh, concert, you know, like after party, right? But we're at the bowling alley. There's all these, I call them the kingmakers, man. It's, it's the people that can make your career. If they like you, they can get you on radio. They can get you on TV. Well, one of them says, hey, John. And, and I was like, what? I can't believe he even knows who I am. He said, come over here. I want to, I want to chat with you. And he was very nice. But basically what he said is this, John. I actually believe you guys could be the biggest, the next biggest band in the world, 
but you have to strike. It's time to strike. You feel me? And I was like, oh, that I was shocked. We could be the biggest band in the world. I was like, yeah, I, I hear you. And he's like, yeah, but do you really hear me? And I was like, yeah, but I had no idea what he was really meant. I just mm -hmm. thought he'd been drinking, mm -hmm. you know, and he's just, okay. I don't know. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Thank okay. you. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, you don't know what I'm talking about. And I said, no. And he goes, all right, I'm going to say it to you straight up because no one else is going to do it, man. And this is what he says to me. He says, I believe you could be the biggest band in the world, but you have to stop talking about Jesus. Stop doing Christian radio interviews. Stop saying that you were ever a Christian band. It's people don't take you seriously because being a Christian is not actually cool. People don't take it serious. Disassociate from it. And he kept going and, and, and he was going and, and I wasn't offended. He, he believed he was helping me out. Mm -hmm. he, he was nice. But what really got me was the end. And this is where it comes into play for people that are listening for your life at college or your work or your friend's family. What he says to me was this, John, I'm not saying that you need to deny Christ. I'm not saying you need to change your religion. I'm just saying, just don't talk about it, you know, and instead talk about, he didn't use the word social justice. He used the word, talk about helping the poor, talk about being a good person. And actually words from his mouth was, everybody loves Bono. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from, that's from you too, of course. Uh -huh. Everybody loves Bono. Do that. And he said, and if you do that, can you imagine the good that you could do one day for Jesus if you would stop talking about him now, what if you got rich and famous? Can you imagine the good you could do later in life? This is where it becomes pertinent to everybody listening in whatever station of life you are in. Because when he said that, there is a part of what he's saying that actually is true. As Christians, we should be helping the poor. We should be, quote unquote, the you know, good people, fine. I don't know who knows what that means. The light of the world, the Bible says. Or as I just read in Zechariah, we should be merciful and, and, and kind by showing good judgments. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of truth in it, but I was praying about it. And I was like, you know what? That's exactly what the devil does. He comes in with a little bit of truth into a situation and he doesn't say it's all lies. He just, does a little, he does a little twist. That's mm -hmm. what he did in the garden of Eden. That's what the serpent did with Eve. That's what he's doing to you right now in college. And the people saying, yeah, I know that Jesus is the way, but... If God really loved people, then he wouldn't be judging them for fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. You know, he wouldn't actually punish someone mm -hmm. if all they were doing was living their best life yeah. or whatever modern thing. It, it, so it, it's very pertinent. All that to say, that conversation set me on fire. And I, 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 God reminded me of the scripture. I wrote this in my book. That scripture came to my mind when I was praying that whoever denies me before mm -hmm. men, I'll deny before my father. But whoever... But whoever yeah, acknowledges, acknowledges me, excuse me, I couldn't think of the word. Whoever acknowledges me before me, I will acknowledge him before my father. Mm -hmm. And it set me on fire. I was like, you know what? I will never, ever stop talking about Christ. I will never, ever be ashamed of it. In fact, I'm going to go the other way. And when people say, is it true that you guys were a Christian band? I'll say, absolutely, we're a Christian band because Jesus saved me. Mm -hmm. So we've gone the other way. Mm -hmm. That's good. <laughs> so God used that guy in the end. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, folks listening here, you know, some of them are in college, yeah. some are young professionals. I mean, we have 20 somethings, we have 30 somethings in our, you know, and they're kind of like, okay, John, but you can kind of craft that. You can do your thing from sure. stage, whatever. I'm just in this like accounting firm and mm. I don't know like what my boss is going to tell me to do tomorrow or whatever. That's what, true. It, what does it look like to, in, you know, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, stand strong? And how does a person like... Talk to us about the blueprint, the bio, the differences in a bio of a person who's just like, 
yeah, you know, I think I'm a Christian in all the good parts and the stuff that's a little bit easier. Mm. And a person who's like, no, this is, I mean, who has the courage and the fortitude to stand strong and Mm. knows that their allegiance to Christ matters. How, I mean, what are the building blocks for that? Wow, that is one of the best questions I've been asked in a long time. It is real. It is hard. I have so many friends that are saying, uh, personal friends of mine, not just comments on Facebook, friends of mine saying, I don't know what to do because I'm being forced to do this at my job. Mm-hmm. And it's a world, it's an entire set of worldview beliefs that I do not believe. I don't know what to do. I've got to provide for my family. We we are entering into very, this has never happened in America. Now it's happened in history, mm-hmm. right? It's happened in places and we see it in all sorts of, especially in communist regimes, right? We're talking yeah. about Poland, of course, uh, the very Soviet, you know, and, and things like that. It's never happened in America, and it is real. I think what I would start with would be a blanket encouragement. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is weird, but I, I feel like I want to say it. Okay. Anybody listening, if you've read the Bible, if you're like me, you're a kid, and you hear these great stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you know Nebuchadnezzar, he built the huge 40-foot-tall idol. The music's going to play. Everybody's going to bow down. If you don't, you're thrown into the fire. You read about these three Jewish men that said, we absolutely will not bow down. And I love what they say in, in the end. They, they say, no, it might cost them their lives. And they say, we know it might cost us our lives, but we, we believe that our God is able to save us from the fire. And we believe that he will save us from the fire. But I love it. I love that word, but. Mm-hmm. But even if he doesn't save us from the fire, we still are not going to bow down. I remember hearing that as a kid and thinking, I want to be one of those people. What do I have to do to be one of those people? I do not want to bow down. And I think a lot of Christians feel that way. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I want to encourage people listening is, is guess what? This is the time. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us don't know that it's the time. We're waiting for something more spectacular, like a literal idol of gold, Mm -hmm. you know, gun to your head, sort of like... um, Columbine, the guns to your head. Do you believe in God? Most of us Christians would say absolutely. Mm-hmm. But right now, we don't know if we're in that position. Guess what? We are in that position. This is our moment. How I think the blueprint looks is A, realizing, having eyes to see, spiritual eyes to see the moment that we are in, and a spiritual theology that is deep enough to realize that Christ has lordship over our whole lives. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't have lordship over our whole lives, then we are going to fall into destruction in various ways. That to me is the beginning. Then comes the blueprint of, well, what does this mean for my job? And I don't think there are easy answers. Mm -hmm. I think that the person that says, you know what? I just want to play nice with the world. I think God loves people. And I think that, that my ideas of, of what are right and wrong are just as valid as, the Taliban's. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds extreme, but in a, in a worldview sense, that's not actually extreme, right? It my 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 ideas are just as valid as theirs. And who am I to? Once you're in that worldview, that is not a proper theology of lordship. So I think that it comes down to the blueprint comes down to, Lord, how am I supposed to feed my family? Um, and and I can maybe there are things that I can play the game. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In other words, I could see John Cooper saying silent at my job about certain things and I'm going to play the game to whatever. But when it comes down to me being forced to say something that I do not believe, 
now I am living in a lie. This is my own personal um, conscience. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what that is for anyone listening, but if I'm being forced to say, yes, I agree with whatever. Mm-hmm. And now I have to put it on all of my letterheads yeah. that I believe something that I do not believe to me, that is my Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego point. Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful for anyone or not. No, that's so great. And I think it, it too, dovetailing with that is kind of this idea of like, we've, we've become so short-sighted in this idea that, do we really believe that God is who he says he is? And do we really believe that what he has planned for the future is so going to overshadow what's going on now? Like you alluded to the the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, which, you know, if we know when we go through scripture, the different like levels or the different pieces of it represent the kingdoms that would eventually overtake one another. And so you've got Babylon, and then there was Persia, and then the Greeks came in, and then the Romans overtook the Greeks. And here Rome ruled the world. What is Rome now? It is like a tourist destination. It has nothing. (laughs) I mean, and I'm just like, no one would have envisioned that back in, you know, when, when Rome ruled, and there are still vestiges of Roman rule. But it's like, God knows he's got his timeline and he's got our future secure. And we got to be willing to rest in that and not be so caught up in what's happening today. Who thinks this of me and what does this mean? And am I, you know, again, it's, it's just selling ourselves short for what we truly say we believe and the God who yes. is the, you know, mm. the, the beginning and the end. It's, it's I, a big deal. I agree with that. I think that's a great point because when it comes down to, in America, what does it mean for tomorrow mm-hmm. and 2022 mm-hmm. and 2023, mm-hmm. even in the short realm? Yep. I think a lot of us Christians, certainly me, without a doubt, yeah. I never thought that there would come a time in America that standing up for, for some values that I I didn't think were all that shocking <laughs> yeah. will yeah, now yeah. cost you a job, will now cost you a friendship. And I would encourage kind of going back to what you said earlier about how do we know what is right and wrong? How do we know is moral? I would encourage Christians to rest. It's just so wonderful. It's just funny in the peace that we don't have to decide on my own what is right and wrong. Because if I did, I would be so stressed out all the time. Mm-hmm. You don't have to decide that on your own. We we have the word of God. Mm-hmm. So God decides what what is right and wrong. He's the lawmaker. And so if we Christians can see the word of God as that is what is right. That is what is good. Then we can go to that, and then we have, we have a peace about it. But we should know we are in the throes of battle, and and it, and that will mean losing friends. Mm-hmm. It will mean uh, not on our end because I love being friends with people who think that that my beliefs are are immoral. Mm-hmm. I like being friends with them. <laughs> there comes a time now when they don't like being friends with me yeah. because they truly believe. That, that I am wicked for the things that the Bible teach. So I would just encourage people, you got to know that that is coming. That is the throes of the battle. And for me, the challenge, and maybe for people listening, is to accept it, be ready for the battle, be ready for them to hate me, but I have to still pray for them and love them nonetheless. Yeah. Well, and just as we finish out here, John, give us an idea of what that looks like as you're out and about on the road. Because I think that, you know, I often say that to people too. I'm like, I have my friends that I very much differ with on some key points of scripture, whether it's biblical sexuality, whether it's a worldview issue, whether it's an an issue of integrity or whatever. But 
I, I've put it out there. They know where I stand. And then I have the luxury of backfilling the relationship with love because I'm now, I, mm. I don't need to like come and be like, um, it's 8 a.m. Let me reiterate my views on XYZ situation. <laughs> they pretty much know. I don't have to like go after it, but I can still invite them into my life. I can be there for them. I can love them. What does that look like for you as you're on tour, as you're interacting with people, you know, work and beyond? Um, how do you get to do that? What Interesting. You know, maybe what I'll do is I will give the the philosophical answer first, the practical second, okay. right? Because I always like to do both if I can. Um, and I know I've already said it, but as we saw over the last, I would say, gosh, three years especially, it's longer. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually more like nine years. What we began to see, if I would say the biggest thing going on in, in Christianity was the issue of what I would call secular social justice versus biblical justice. And that is where a lot of things began to get hijacked. What I would say now that I think is even more important, I believe secular social justice, the social justice issue is a smaller issue within a larger issue now of what is, let's say, is Jesus the Lord of the civil realm? I think that's what I would, would say that it is. And what this looks like to me is realize, most Christians that love the Bible would say this. If I believe that my brother in Christ or else my friend who is not a Christian, if I believed that they were engaging in absolute wickedness that was going to bring death and destruction, I should warn them. Right? That's what all the prophets did all mm -hmm. the way up to John the Baptist, right? Mm -hmm. That is what you do as a prophet or a on the watchtower if you go into some of the Old Testament, whatever. It's also what evangelists do. That's a part of evangelism is warning about the destruction to come. Repent and be born again. I think that a lot of Christians, a lot of us, including myself, did not have a thorough enough deep dive into the Word of God to understand Christ over the civil realm. Mm-hmm. I looked up another wonderful scripture. Can I read one more today? Absolutely. Here's another one. Proverbs 24, verses 24 through 25. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight and a good blessing will come upon them. One more. Proverbs 28, 5. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, basically, if you seek the Lord, if you meditate on his word, you will understand justice because God defines it. So I think the philosophical answer is, as we go out and we rub shoulders with people every day that don't <clears throat> agree with us is that when you see the wickedness that is happening, I'm not saying you start yelling at folks. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but what I'm finding out is that those people who are actually doing wicked acts, according to the Bible, they are not shy about telling me why I am wrong constantly. Mm -hmm. It is Christians that have become shy out of a, quote, loving our name. We want to love people and be kind. So we're not telling them, yet they are actually the ones that are on the road to destruction. Yeah. Now, I don't, I'm not saying there are Christian friends are on the road to destruction, but they are actually doing wickedness. And that is part of iron sharpening iron. So the practical for me is just this. I actually really like the way you said it, and I might borrow that. <laughs> Backfilling uh, the relationship with love is a great <laughs> thing. Because what I've found is that my atheist or agnostic friends, some of them are antichrist, meaning they hate Christianity. I don't know why they like me, but they do. <laughs> Most of the people that work for me, I'm here today, are not Christian. Some of them actually have a kind of a problem with Christianity. But just like everyone listening to this show knows, when their kids are sick, 
they're like, hey, do you mind praying for me? Mm -hmm. They want me to pray to a God they do not believe exists, Mm -hmm. even though my ideas are wicked. Something there is not computing. What it means is that they have seen me be a faithful friend to them. I'm not offended when they say what I do is wrong. I'm loving to them, even though I'm open to them uh, about what it is. So to me, it's an issue of going, hey, I'm not going to let this mess up our friendship, but I also can't dumb down what the Bible says. It's not, not my place to do it. So I think that comes down to praying for them. Yeah. One last thing I will say that's helped me. I don't know if it's going to help anybody else. Part of what's helped me is realizing that I don't deserve God's love. I don't think that I would have pursued God. In fact, theologically, I believe that I would not have pursued God (laughs) had he not called me by name, had he not chased me down, had the Holy Spirit not come and did such a work in my heart that I understood that his ways were better than my ways. And when I look at my friends, I want that so much for them. Mm -hmm. I want it so bad for them. And so Mm -hmm. I pray for them. And when I see that nothing has happened, it makes me sad. Yeah. And out of that comes a love for them and a, hey, this isn't their fault. They are fulfilling. Right now, they are fulfilling their fallen nature. But through the power of Christ and his spirit, that could change. It could change like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's it. And that's so freeing for us to know that it's not our job to arm wrestle people into the kingdom or be like, have all the clever arguments or have (laughs) stories that dovetail into something else. I mean, I'm just like, my goodness, like God, you know, like, like the apostle Paul, the scales fell from his eyes and the work of the Holy Spirit to regenerate someone's spirit and their heart so that they are even capable of seeing grace and accepting Mm. grace. Wow. When that happens, it's amazing. Um, And, and I think too, like, that's why it's like, you know, we're out here fretting over the world, acting like the world. And it's like, Christians, um, let's all get in our own business and figure out what's going on, you know, because the Holy Spirit better be convicting some of uh, us all, you know, and and be about that. So, well, so, so good. Um, Folks, we have been talking to John Cooper. He is lead vocalist, bassist, songwriter, producer for Skillet, uh, the band uh, they're playing tonight, but we just grabbed him off the freeway and said, come on in here and talk (laughs) to us at the Boundless Show. Um, The book we've been talking about is called Awaken Alive to Truth, Finding Truth in the Chaos of a Relativistic World. And I want to let you know that we are going to make this book available to you for a gift of any amount to Boundless. So you go to boundless.org. Um, You can even look it up by this show. In fact, if you want to search 717, that's this uh, episode, and you'll see the book cover there. Click on it. Give a gift to Boundless because you know you love us anyway, and you don't need that extra hot mocha. Okay, come on. Just let it go. (laughs) Um, So give a donation to Boundless, and we're going to send John's book to you as a thank you for your gift. So, John, thank you so much for carving out some time for us and being part of this conversation. I absolutely loved it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate everybody listening. I was watching and waiting for something to change. Looking for someone to come in and save the day.
folks, as we finish out this week's show, we open up our inbox and answer a listener question. That's a question from one of you who are listening and have a burning question that you're like, oh, I need some advice on that. And so this week, I'm going to answer the question that we have. And here it is. Our listener says, I'm a single guy who's been trying to find someone through online dating, and I understand that women want to be pursued. I was chatting with a woman a few months ago, but it seemed like she just didn't want to be engaged in the conversation. I've noticed this pattern with other women I've contacted, even if they've reached out to me first. After I told her I didn't want to continue chatting, she said she wanted someone to pursue her. While I understand that, I feel like unless she wants to contribute to the conversation, then I don't know what type of person I'm pursuing. Is this normal for a woman to be so passive in her desire to be pursued? Okay, well, thank you for asking this question. It's a good one. I'm super confused by it because I'm like, what in the world? Who's saying what here? And what is, you know, it's kind of hard to decipher motives or what people are thinking kind of under the surface. So it's a little bit tricky. But that said, um, I mean, I guess my question for you is, and you may need to get some objective eyes and ears on the way you're showing up in this and presenting yourself. Because my question is, Like when you're talking about having conversations with her, is this truly like a back and forth? I mean, are you asking her good questions? Are you drawing stuff out of her? Or are you, I'll just be straight up, you know, are you just kind of rambling about yourself and other stuff like topics that interest you? So because she could be saying... I want to be pursued. I want someone to get to know me. But all this guy's doing is just like talking about topics that interest him. And it's a one sided conversation. So obviously, from your question, I don't know that. But that's just a little self check to maybe do. And if you think that you're all being equitable in it, maybe get someone else to weigh in, just to make sure that that's the case and go back and review maybe some of your correspondence with her. That just might uh, be be helpful. Because again, you always want to make this a point of honoring the other person, drawing them out, uh, making them part of the conversation. Now, clearly, you have no control over how she is going to feel pursued. So I mean, that is a very arbitrary, very elusive kind of thing. And you cannot orchestrate that in a way that supposedly she's going to want that to happen. So I actually think, you know, your best bet here, you talked about just saying, hey, I don't want to continue chatting. I think that's totally fine if you don't want to. I mean, if you think that this is kind of getting weird or whatever, it might be time just to lay off a bit and not go too full bore. I mean, maybe you're kind of trying to press the conversation or move it forward. Um, You know, she might need some breathing room in this because, again, you know, moving this conversation forward or discerning this, whether or not you're pursuing her. Remember, it isn't a goal to be reached or some kind of mountain to be summited or conquered. You know, this is a, a give and take. It's going to have some two steps forward, one step back. It it is very, you know, organic in that sense. You can't just say like, oh, we're on this trajectory of like a straight line and it's going to move forward in that way because that almost never happens. I can tell you that for sure. But I would say basically once you've done that and you've decided you're just going to add some chill to the situation and be like, okay, I'm going to just say, hey, if you want to continue conversing, let's do this, you know, whatever. But again, there are other people that you can have conversations with. So I wouldn't hold on to this as something that has to happen, something that has to be achieved, because she may have her own concerns, her own fears, her own weirdnesses in this that you don't know about, and you're not responsible for deciphering them. So uh, that said, yes, women as a rule like to be pursued. They like to be honored. We want to be asked good questions. We want a guy to be interested in what we're about. And, uh, you know, again, that can't just be on some 
predetermined timeline. That said, you cannot just completely, you know, kowtow to every little uh, specific, you know, thing, flag that she's flying and saying, oh, you know, well, no, I need it to look exactly this way. And then it sounds like she's not even giving you direction on that anyway. So like I said, it is confusing. I understand why you're confused, but I would just say maybe it's time to just back off a little bit, um, evaluate how you're presenting yourself, how you're showing up in the conversation. That's all you can do and go from there and trust God in the process. So, all right, great question. Thanks everyone uh, for listening in. And of course, if you have a question for the future, we'd love to answer it. Write to us at editor at boundless.org. And of course, you can search boundless.org for past questions as well. I am Lisa Anderson for the Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family.